This recording is brought to you by Freedom Time Co. Beginning in an unfurnished college apartment, Freedom Time is a collective of friends turned family. At our core, we believe that justice is gospel work. And to us, justice means living in a world where all people are free to live whole and full lives, especially those who are marginalized. Together, we curate content, events, and culture in order to spur compassion, education, imagination, and action. Freedom Time is on the journey of singing the spiritual with our lives. One that loudly echoes, to be a lover of justice is to be fully human. We are Freedom Time Collective. I'm Denisha, and I'm going to turn it over to Ryan, um, and he's just going to say a few words, and then we're going to open in prayer, um, and then we're just going to have some discussion that our Freedom Time um, collective members have just prepared some questions just for us to reflect and just discuss upon, and then we're going to close in prayer and just any of the reflections in the community. And then I also want to open it up to anyone that's joining us in the community. If you want to take the opportunity to say a prayer as well, um, this is the space to do that also. So turn it over to Ryan. Um, And then I also am going to let all the members introduce themselves if Ryan can be the first person to do that. Yeah. What's up, y'all? Thanks for coming. Our desire was for this to just be like relatively informal um, and introduce what we want to do and also just provide like um, a safe space to um, discuss issues of justice um, through a lens of faith. And um, also, I think for us to, um, especially during COVID, it's hard to be connected with a faith community. So um, also just like providing a safe space to just like gather together um, like it's Sunday. I just moved to Portland and the, the church that I would normally go to is across the street, but obviously like it's closed down right now. So, um, for me, um, this is church and this is like the community, um, of faith that, um, builds me spiritually and, and provides, provides me a lot of grounding right now. Um, so we're just super glad you're here. Um, Haley, Yolanda, um, everyone else on the team. Um, and then anyone who, watches later. Um, we just hope that you're encouraged, um, and blessed by, by this like brief time of just prayer and some questions, um, and diving into how we can, um, become more just together, um, and serve, um, Christ appropriately, um, as he would want us to. So, um, that's all from me right now. My name is Kenny. I'm here in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, and just excited to be a part of this journey of, uh, like Ryan was saying, balancing the, uh, our faith with, with justice and, uh, and realizing how intertwined they are uh, and how we're really, uh, in a sense, mandated by our faith to seek out justice for others. Uh, and so I'm just excited to go on this journey with all y'all. I'm excited for this time to open with uh, an open mind to, to uh, the Spirit of God and where He leads us and uh, yeah, I love the informal, informal vibe, Ryan and, and Denisha. So thank you for saying that. So I'm currently in Phoenix. I'm Brianna. Um, currently in Phoenix, going to be relocating to LA in like the next month or so, a little less than a month now. Um, yeah, I mean, the intro of the group um, is reflective of me. It was part of the 
the uh, unfurnished college dorm room apartment um, clan. Um, and yeah, I don't know, this, this collective, this initiative, this group means a ton to me um, because in the time that we were creating it um, at its origin um, was kind of the, the point that I kind of stepped away from the church as like a physical um, building um, and have kind of honed in more so into um, just being in community with people of like minds who also um, love Christ and uh, believe in like the character of Christ and believe in who Jesus is um, while also understanding the importance and nece like necessity of um, justice and justice work. Um, and so I'm really proud to be a part of this. I'm proud of whoever chooses to step into this with us. Um, yeah. And if you're here or if you're watching this later, um, this is big um, and bigger than us and bigger than even just this collective alone. Um, but we just get to be um, small hands, small foots or foot feet. <laughs> in the work of this, um, which is just a bigger work than even what we're doing right now. So thanks for being here, uh, Yolanda, Haley, and whoever gets to watch this later. It means a lot. Hello, everyone. Uh, I believe I do know uh, everyone on here, but I am Neil, uh, and I am in Denver, Colorado right now. And yeah, I am, as the others have mentioned, excited to somewhat revamp this little group. Uh, I love each of the people in this group dearly. I have uh, learned so much from each of them. And uh, I could not tell uh, the story of my life without telling the story of uh, what this group has done in it. Um, the two are inseparable. And I am, uh, yeah, just looking to um, use this kind of uh, cultural movement, uh, moment, like an upheaval to re-envision what it, what it looks like to be human and, uh, to retrieve what it means to be just and loving and fair. Uh, yeah. And I think that this group will, uh, offer a great platform for all of us to do that. And to Yolanda and Haley, it is good to see your face. Uh, Haley isn't, well, she can tell you where she is when, if she wants to, but, uh, yeah, I'm just happy to, to be doing this. Um, and I'm looking forward to the good work that lies ahead of us. Hi, I'm Megan. Um, I am also currently in Phoenix for the time being at least. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I second everything that's been said before. Um, I think whenever this group first started, I was in a place of a lot of um, inner confliction of like I was down and I agree with it, but there's a lot of me that was still very scared and hesitant to really make like a big move. And, you know, I was just ran into um, a friend right before this at coffee who were kind of talking about the same thing of where we're really frustrated where church is at. We we're not currently in church um, and movements like this have become church for us. And, you know, it's time it's been time. And if white people aren't calling out other white people, especially white people in authority, then, no change is ever going to happen. So it's time. It's been time. And I'm really thankful to um, call these people my friends and call these people my church and to be able to have these sort of conversations and call to actions and um, hold people's feet to the fire of what needs to be done. So thank you for joining and willing to engage. Hey, y'all. Um, I'm Brittany. 
I am in Nashville, Tennessee, where I work and live and do justice work. I am also super, super elated to um, be here with you all and with my dear, dear friends. Um, we're just so excited to kick back off this Freedom Song Collective. Um, and these people mean so much to me. And we are so excited for the work that we will do together with you, our community. So um, thank you all for being here. Um, we look forward to continuing to engage with you um, in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, since we have like a smaller group, like if you guys are comfortable, if you just want to say like, hey, I'm, I'm whoever you are and where you're at, if that's appropriate, um, that'd be cool. My name is Haley. I live in Istanbul, Turkey right now, doing refugee aid work. Um, should I say anything else? Like I'm interested in it? I don't really know. <laughs> if you want um basically just yeah seeing that there's a problem and wanting to learn more and understand more and be able to like talk about it so glad you guys are doing this it's only 9 p.m here so it's really not that late so i'm excited to learn more yeah exactly Hey, I am Michelle Spedafora, and I'm Neil Spedafora's mom. And of course, um, we're always interested in seeing what Neil's up to and the impact he's making in the world. But I'm also really interested in educating myself and hearing more of just the truth of what's going on in the world. I have a, a, a platform where I have an opportunity to speak out to a lot of people. And I just want to be sure that I am hearing um, some just some real truth and, and some real um, powerful stories. And I just want to educate myself on this. Thanks, Michelle. That was awesome. Hi, Ryan. Hi. Uh, we have some questions um, just to like prompt and see what y'all are interested in um, talking about in the future, um, what some of your possible like prayer needs are. Um, and then we'll just kind of like leave it open to um, just general discussion um, after that. But somebody on our team um, want to just pray as we get into this. Otherwise, I can do it too. I got you, Ryan. Can y'all hear me? Thanks, Brittany. Yeah. Gracious creator, um, who goes by many names, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity together. Would you um, allow your spirit to be present with us? Would you encourage our hearts and our minds and our feet toward the work of justice in the earth? Would you be present in our conversations, um, in our hearts, our minds, and our spirits? And we ask this in the name of all that is good, all that is liberating, and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brittany. Um, yeah, so I think our like main takeaway for this meeting is just um, we want to know, we know that every person has a different sphere of influence. Um, even each member of our team um, is involved in very different communities. Um, and we know that um, God speaks to um, our communities specifically. He speaks to um, our current cultural context. So um, kind of just trying to get an understanding of, of what the people who are going to be engaged with Freedom Time, um, 
would like to like to explore, like to um, do workshops and educational um, meetings about so that we can best like serve your needs so that you can um, have these discussions with the people um, closest to you and around you. So um, I, we have a few prompts um, of, of questions based on like what we have um, for workshops coming in July. Um, so if you guys have any just like open questions, we can talk about um, what that would look like to incorporate um, some of the, some of your ideas um, into our future workshops. Yeah, yeah. So I've been dwelling on this idea of the relation between compassion and justice the last couple of weeks. Um, this is going to be a big component of one of our first uh, workshops next month in July. Um, but I, uh, I want to read a short scripture, if y'all don't mind, and then um, just kind of chat about it for a couple of minutes. Uh, but this is from uh, the prophet Isaiah in, in chapter 40, speaking about the coming of Jesus. Um, uh, starting in verse 10, he said, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And so I was thinking about this, this tension that a lot of us feel that, or a lot of people feel in that there has to be either compassion or boldly standing for justice. And they're, they're kind of, uh, they can't be coexistent. Um, but as uh, for those of us who, who profess Christ and believe in Christ, we can see that he held that tension well the might of his arm standing for justice, but also the tenderness of a shepherd caring for us as individuals and as a people. Um, so with that thought of compassion, uh, both maybe from God or from others or towards others, I just kind of wanted to, if you guys don't mind a little bit of silence, just reflect uh, the question that I have to start is how have you experienced compassion in the last few days uh, and I think it would be helpful for all of us to highlight in our minds a specific time, either from another person, uh, from uh, our God or, or towards another person, of how we have uh, experienced compassion and then to let that inform the rest of the discussion. So uh, if you all don't mind, just about a minute of silence, um, reflecting on that, and then we'll, we'll open up for, for discussion on that. And just because I rambled a little bit, the prompt is, how have you experienced compassion in the last few days? Now, if you have a specific example in mind, um, that's awesome. Maybe it's been a drier season for you where you haven't had that, uh, that clear uh, experience of compassion and that's okay too. Um, but I would, whatever, uh, whatever tension you're feeling in that, whether you have a clear example from the last couple of days or 
you're thinking, man, Kenny, there's not really anything in mind. That's okay. And I want to carry that feeling into the next area of discussion. And this is where I want to hear from anybody who has anything to say. Freedom Time, Co, people, our guests, anybody's welcome to share. Uh, but what, in your mind and your experience, what role does compassion have in justice work? I feel like a quick, like brief thought on compassion to me. And I think it's also in the example that I'm thinking of in my head. Sorry, there's a dog in the background. Um, but to me, I think compassion almost equates to some degree patience. Um, and so I think like, as we move through life and not only in, in the subject of justice and things like that, I think just in life in general and marriage and relationships and work spaces and things like that, um, practicing compassion or experiencing compassion is also practicing and experience like experiencing like the beauty of grace and patience um and i think that that's really really important as we um especially as lovers of christ um and people that are doing the work and people that are um, encountering others who are not doing the work um it's important to to have that patience um yeah yeah that's how i think of compassion that's kind of like my first thought for sure. Thanks for sharing, Bree. I I basically just am in total agreement with what Bree just said. I don't think the two can be separated whatsoever. Mm -hmm. We're driven to justice and acting acts of justice because of our compassion. And so for folks who want to separate the two, or maybe it's more convenient for them to separate the two, it's mm -hmm. really just because they're not there. Like they're not, they don't, they're not driven to acts of justice because they're not actually in a compassionate state. There's a huge difference between what is um, palatable and comfortable than what's actually compassionate. You know, we see, I mean, the story of the Good Samaritan is prime example of you had all these religious leaders who were just trying to keep the peace in their own lives, that they weren't disturbed or weren't driven enough to compassion to actually do what was right um, until the Good Samaritan was then, because his compassion was driven to action. So I would, I mean, I would say that if you're not being driven to action in your own life, you're not experiencing true compassion. You're only experiencing um, really nothing. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, it's, the two can't be separated. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think too often we think of compassion as passive, um, of just a feeling to have towards another person. But that's a perfect example, Megan, because the Good Samaritan, it wasn't just uh, walking past the man who had been robbed and beaten and praying and, and thinking, man, I hope that, you know, he has a better life here forward. You know, it's not just that. It was a sacrificial, painful um, gift to give up his time and his money and, uh, you know, risk his own health and safety as well uh, so that that could be made right for um, for the person. And I think that that's a great way to put it as well, how it relates to, to our current moment. How can we have active compassion for those that uh, deserve for that relationship to be made right with justice? For me, a verse that has kind of been always one of my go-to verses, it says, um, you know, be on guard, be true to what you believe, mm -hmm. be strong, be courageous, and everything you do must be done with love. 
And I think there's so many good pieces in that. I think it's first Corinthians, um, 16, 13, but just, we got to be true to what we, we know. And we believe we have to be on guard because they're, um, Satan's going to try to get in and mess with us. And it takes strength and courage, but unless everything we do is done from love and have compassion and understanding from where they're at and kind of their journey, it's, it's useless. Like it says over and over in the Bible without love, our actions mean nothing. So just, checking my own heart on a regular basis before I talk to someone. Am I saying this from a point of love or trying to prove a point? What am I doing here? You know, so just checking that it's always love. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that, Michelle. Uh, always love. And I think that relates with what Brittany is saying in the chat. She says, my mind goes to the way Jesus compassionately interacted with folks before and as he met their real material needs. I did a, a super quick word study. I should have done much deeper on compassion in the gospels, but almost, you know, a, a dozens of times that it comes up in the gospels is talking about Jesus having compassion on people who have physical needs and he, he has compassion. And so he heals them uh, or he meets their needs. And so I love that you, that both of you bring that up, that it's always from a place, place of love and compassion that we seek to, to meet the needs of others. So thank you for sharing both of you. Um, so I am, um, developing kind of, a a community worksheet for one of our, um, workshops on education. Um, and kind of through my journey, I'm also like learning a lot, um, and how difficult it can be to, um, educate yourself on issues of justice, um, particularly systemic racism, um, in a local context. Um, for me, um, when George Floyd was murdered, um, it was just a few blocks from where I was living in Minneapolis, um, just in February. So, um, I was trying to understand how, um, to deal with issues of racism in the local context. Um, because for me, I lived, there's a highway um, in Minneapolis called 35W. Um, I lived on the west side of that. Um, and it's relatively um, wealthy, well-maintained, um, all these things that I observed. Um, it was just a better taken care of neighborhood. And as soon as you drive to the other side of 35W, um, like 30th in Chicago, where George Floyd was killed by Cup Foods, you can see like the streets are less taken care of. Um, there's less community resources. It's just like glaringly obvious that um, there was at some point some sort of housing discrimination um, and lack of community funding um, just less than a half a mile um, based on uh, a highway or a freeway separation. So um, I think what would be like helpful or things that I was struggling with was um, how can I see something like that? And what kind of research can I do? Um, and how can I take action? So I don't know, like, I would love to gain y'all's perspectives if you have any similar observations in your own city. Um, what areas are you struggling to um, find? Re like, are you struggling to find resources on like the history of why um, a certain observation you've made is occurring? Or is that the easy part? And then is it hard to find like an organization that you can 
come alongside and support either like financially or with your time. Um, I'm wondering if you guys have any like similar stories for me. Um, the more difficult part was finding organizations that are like taking action in housing discrimination. So, um, yeah, just, I guess like the main question, um, Kenny, like did a good job of being like, this is the question after you rambled for a bit, but, um, what is the largest barrier in that journey for you guys, like locally, um, to taking action on the issues of justice that you see? Uh, good question, Ryan. I think my, uh, experience is similar to yours insofar as you can understand what's going on, uh, and even what, what action needs to take place to stop it. But then you have issues, uh, going from that to finding organizations that are doing that work or somehow organizing people to do that work. Um, I think in Denver too, uh, where I am, the, the rate at which Denver has been gentrified is, um, exponential and it's really shown no signs of stopping and finding ways to work against that, um, which of course is a discriminatory practice in housing, different neighborhoods and such. Um, yeah, so I'm just voicing the same issue, uh, finding the resources to combat that uh, has proven to be difficult. Um, but even in the past months or month or so, as uh, these protests have kind of sparked and such, um, I think that it's also brought about a great means of organizing people. Uh, and I think in some ways that's like, definitely a grace, something that wouldn't have been otherwise, uh, that people are now like wanting to do the work. They've somewhat been brought out of their, um, yeah, their shells, so to speak, white folk, particularly in, in West Denver, I'm thinking of, but, um, yeah. So finding those organizations for me has been difficult and I'm transient. I'm only in Denver, like half the year, quarter of the year, which makes things difficult as well. But yeah. Uh, that's just a barrier I see. Yeah, that's helpful um, because I want to be able to provide um, a framework for how folks can find good organizations um, so that they can take action when they see those issues. Thanks, Neil. I can go as well. Um, being someone who works um, around several organizations, I think a lot of times, like, organization's intentionality is to be like, okay, let's go out, let's do all the work. But I feel like there's a lot of time, um, like I always tell people like in my org, like how many people know about us? Like how many people know we exist, right? Because a lot of the times we do the work and we're right like head on, you know, with legislators or in the Capitol or we're doing the stuff like directly um, in the face. And a lot of times we, um, as organizations like miss the conversation with the community. And so uh, like, like you, you both kind of mentioned, it's harder for you to find, like when you do want to get involved and you're passionate to be like, okay, which organization do I find? And like, which community should I belong to based off of the, the things that I want to do? And as like an organizational standpoint, I feel like what we've done, are, we've taken some step backs to 
hold community forums to actually talk to the community about specific things that they were interested in um, and to be like, okay, what do you need us to do? But I know that there are a lot of community organizations that are really motivated and they're like, oh, we have all these things that we see need to get done. Um, But they don't necessarily know, like, as, as community members ourselves, like we have specific needs. Like, like you said, um, Ryan, some people have housing issues. Some people are having um, issues putting food on their table, you know? And so like, as much as we want to jump like right into the action and as much as we want to jump right in and, and, you know, start doing the work, it's like, okay, what are, what are the outcries of our community specifically? And like, what are they saying at home? Because they may not be worried about the election year. Like they're probably just worried about putting food on their table tomorrow. So like, how can we be more effective on like, um, and more specific about how our work directly impacts um, that immediate need? And I think like a lot of times we're, I feel like that's a big barrier um, from like people finding organizations and then also organizations being um, really real and specific about what they're doing to help the community um, and not just assuming that what they're doing is helping the community because they think it does. Um, and I think that through this work, I feel like it's a lot of discussions that need to be had um, about like res- the proper resources, not necessarily resources, um, because I think like Again, a lot of things that I feel like the organizations in the community are doing are like saying, well, we think that this handout might be good, but it's like, you know, can we do food vouchers? Can we do, um, you know, trucks? We were talking about um, at AZC4C doing like a van to get people to specific resources. Like people don't have cars, like people don't have access to um, transportation. Like we see that you know, the things that we want to blanket over aren't working and that people are still not wanting to be involved because they're worried about the things like in their house um, as of today. So that's just how I feel about, you know, those barriers and like how to gather them. Like, I feel like it's very difficult, but I feel like a lot of it is on the organization's um, plate or is their job to really go back and take that step back in the community and really figure out like what are the best the best ways to administer resources to the community. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I think, yeah, that brings up like a good point for me too. Is like, how can we, um, like people here on the call, be like good liaisons between um, organizations um, and. Um, like people in our sphere of influence too, to just like create that connection. Um, if we're, if we're more in the weeds with the work, um, and can find these organizations and have time to do the research, like kind of be the connectors. So I think, yeah, that's super helpful. This isn't something that I know, like it's more so just like another question almost in regarding this, but something I've been thinking about a lot, a lot too, is just thinking about where, um, my dollars are going. Um, again, I was just talking to like me and Brie were just talking about this over the, this morning. Um, just like our dollars are essentially like voting ballots. So like when we buy something off of Amazon versus a local bookstore for buying books, like 
where is that money going to? And where, where are those voting ballots? What is that system? What system are we voting for with our dollars? So we're going to, if we always get our coffee at, um, I don't know, Dutch Bros or some big chain versus the new local community focused coffee shop that's getting fair trade coffee beans, like what um, system are we voting for in that way? So just, and that's, I mean, it can be overwhelming to, to think about that and to, you know, some days we are just like living day to day or like paycheck to paycheck and we just need the cheapest option right now for all experiencing COVID and everything. Um, but on a large scale, when we have time, we're having space, it's something I think to look into too as to where our dollars are going to and then what's this and that supporting and how that's affecting our local communities as well. Yeah, I feel like that's a really tangible, like, like quick way to take action too. So that's super helpful because that's like, we buy things every day. That's like the fastest way that we can like contribute to um, the right companies and, and people making change in our, our communities. So. I also feel like um, obviously like going into like what like Megan said and really just kind of echoing what everybody else said, all of these changes um, and acknowledgements are really, really important. Um, though, if you're just stepping into this and that's for anybody that's like on the call um, and myself included, um, or if like you've known about this or whatever and are just kind of like enduring like this like constant like mental and emotional battle with everything that's going on. And it's, I was just um, explaining this to Megan is like, I can only pick like one fight today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's kind of like where like I'm at with a lot of things. And I'm sure that some of you are all also kind of in that as well, because there's just everything that seems to just be kind of like coming down for good. Um, but it's overwhelming. Um, I really am a firm believer in like it starting with you. And I know that's like a very, very like cliche kind of like a thing, but really checking in with like, how are you um, doing like your research as far as like what's going on, like in the community, maybe not for you just to like share like on your Instagram, because you haven't really fully been there yet, but more so like, where will I go shopping today? Like, where will I um, be researching? Like, as far as like a local way for me to like get like plugged in with something or just to like read something or just to like whatever, because I think that, um, and the best way that like my therapist has kind of like said this is like, I am only as good to you as like I've been to like myself or like, as I've like healed for like myself. And I think that that's the same thing when it comes to justice work is I'm only as instrumental of like, um, a, like an aid in, a, in all of this as I am in like researching and doing the work and doing the research and like really like putting my own self like in this space where like, not that I know everything, but more so where like I have come to a place where like, everything that I do is a demonstration of what I believe. And therefore, like, I don't necessarily have to just like go out and like preach this to everybody though. Like, you know, when I get to that comfortable state, I can do so. But really like the way that I live my life and the things that I endorse and the things that like I wear on my body, the things that I put in my body, the things that like the places that I go is a demonstration of what I believe. And like, you will get to see that. And I will also get to like, without thought, like freely share like that resource, like without really really doing much of like the work, you know what I'm saying? Cause I've already done the work by doing the research, by going to these places and now like making that like a part of like what my actual like life is. Um, and I think that that's kind of like the important thing. So if you feel overwhelmed, um, just, and I can very much like attest to this, like just overwhelmed, like completely with everything that's going on. Um, and like what, like your next move should be really start it with like taking the time to be away and then plugging yourself into like what it is that like, you know, for sure, like you can like, 
pour every bit of like yourself into from like your consumerism to like the way that you vote to the places that you go to like the organizations that you're a part of it starts with you and that again all sounds very very cliche but like really like internalize like that like that concept because that's important to kind of like keep yourself grounded like in this work is like if it's not coming from you if it's not you doing it if it's not like really something that you have like your whole heart and foot and money and time and mental like in it's really really hard to put yourself like in a place to where like you even like want to learn like on a communal level or to teach um on an individual or communal level as well and i don't want to keep dragging this question out or we could be on this call like forever but just to all like the white folks who are on this call like you don't get a rule book like we we often have these conversations and we we want we like it is overwhelming to know where do i start or uh, where are my dollars going? Oh my God, like, there's so much to think about, blah, blah, blah. Just give me, just tell me what to do. And like, you don't get a checklist. You don't get a rule book because it's an inside job. Just like what Bree was saying. It's like, if you're not wanting to do this work, if you're not wanting your, your inner self to change, if you're not wanting your mindset to change, which is why we opened up the question of compassion and like equating compassion to justice, then none of that, none of that matters. <laughs> like, we, we so often just like, I mean, I have this conversation with my mom all the time. My mom has a personality where she gets really overwhelmed by everything going on. And she genuinely wants to be a good person and a good Christian. And it's like, F that, like, we don't need good white people. We need white people who are standing up for black bodies because they are dying. And so to, to hell with the rule book. Okay. Like all this stuff might feel really, really overwhelming, but if all you're on this call for is to know how to check a few boxes, like you're still on it for the wrong reasons. So like, this is an inside job and it's internal work. And like, you have to be willing to, yes, like Bree said, like separate yourself and check yourself constantly, constantly, constantly. Like there is no racism and non, there's no racist and non-racist. There's racism and anti-racism. So like, if you're not waking up to your addiction to how the system has been serving you your entire life and you're not every single day checking yourself on that, like you're in it for the wrong reasons and you're doing just as much harm as before you even enter these new trendy conversations so like hear all this and don't hear all this as like writing on like okay this is what i do so that maybe one day i'll finally get a black strand or i'll finally like be able to like be called given the wolf card or something like take these things in consideration if it's not hurting and making you feel uncomfortable then like keep sitting with it um yeah, like there's no rule book, there's no checkbox, like there's just the internal work. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I wanted um I wanted to add um especially like coming from like um a coalition an organization that works with many uh coalition that works with many partners is take the time to just hear what the are the communities that are going through all of the different um, challenges, like take the time to actually hear them. I think usually going back to like what Demasia was saying, sometimes, you know, I, I'm asked like, do this, do this now. But we need to remind ourselves that we, need, we cannot just lead. We need to take the time to hear what our community's concerns are, what is the best approach to do it. And sometimes they're, it might take a little bit longer and that's okay rather than, you know, going to Facebook and posting like a statement that just came from like one organization, if that makes sense. 
Um, so for me, I think, um, specifically with everything that's happening, um, I, you know, I was asked, I, I had taken like a week off work. I came back and I was asked like, Yolanda, you, you are a leader in the community. You know, many folks, um, can you go ahead and like, you know, gather like the black community and talk about this and that. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I, I'm like, I'm going to take a step back. And I think the nation remembers this conversation um, and literally just going and saying like, Hey, like I just came back. This is what's happening. And literally like come to find out we're still trying to figure it out. Right. So like, I think taking the time to do that makes a big difference specifically also with like the DACA announcement. Um, you know, I'm, I'm DACA and like, I specifically won't want someone to just come in and say, the DACA folks want this and that. I, I want to make sure that I'm in a space and around communities where I feel heard. And if I don't know about a certain, um, you know, certain issue, like it's not on me to talk about it. Just, just because someone, you know, wants to give an answer, I would rather want someone to, to tell me, I don't know. Um, but let's look into it and figure it out instead of someone saying, let's just answer this based on something that they saw on like social media. So actually just taking the time to like be present on like the role that you have and how you can be um, like a, you know, a good listener and just overall listen to what really is happening and be present and not just act from a place of everyone else is acting and I need to act as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's extremely helpful. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Yolanda. That's a really good perspective. Um, and yeah, something like even I need to, because I just like get lit with a fire and I like want to act and act. But yeah, honestly, just being like part of compassion, like Bree said earlier, is patience. Um, and that comes with, with everything that you just said. So it's super helpful for, I think, everyone here on the call. So uh, Danesha and I, we're sharing the creativity, imagination portion of the workshops that are coming up um, and really how this came about. So when we decided a few weeks ago, we were having some preliminary conversations about revamping and turning into freedom time. We had um, kind of some like subcategories. So you've heard about compassion. You've heard about education. And initially the last one was action. And there wasn't this um, space of creativity and imagination. So I was talking to Ryan actually about how uh, as organizers in particular, so I'm involved with the movement here in Nashville, but have been involved in several different iterations of movement. Um, imagination and creativity are often hidden under this need to rapidly respond to black people dying every day, right? So a lot or um, voter suppression, right? And that is good and important work. We should be saying, why are black and brown women and men, girls, boys being murdered in the street? And what can we do to mitigate that harm? Um, but what happens when we solely stay in that space is that when folks come out and say, we need to defund the police or we need to abolish the police, people are like, whoa, stop. Because there hasn't been the opportunity to ever take time to really imagine what a world would look like in which people were actually free. Like, what does justice actually look like? What is liberation? And so that is where we, I think we find creativity and imagination entering into our movement. Um, because that is the space where we get to dream before we act. Um, and we get to have vision for 
what we hope the world will be eventually. Um, so I do have a prompt, but before that, I want to read something from Adrian Marie Brown, who is one of my favorite organizers. Um, but she has a book out called Emergent Strategy, and she talks a little bit about this idea of imagination in this particular passage. When we are engaged in acts of love, we humans are at our best and most resilient. The love in romance that makes us want to be better people. The love of children that makes us change our whole lives to meet their needs. The love of family that makes us drop everything to take care of them. The love of community that makes us work tirelessly with broken hearts. Perhaps humans' core function is love. Love leads us to observe in a much deeper way than any other emotion. If love were the central practice of new generations of organizers and spiritual leaders, it would have a massive impact. If the goal was to increase the love rather than winning or dominating a constant opponent, I think we could actually imagine liberation from constant oppression. We would suddenly be seeing everything we do, everyone we meet, not through the tactical eyes of war, but through the eyes of love. We would see that there's no such thing as a blank canvas, an empty land, or a new idea. But everywhere there is complex, ancient, fertile ground full of potential. We would understand that the strength of our movement is in the strength of our relationship, which could only be measured by their depth. Scaling up would mean going deeper, being more vulnerable and more empathetic. Um, so with that, my prompt is simply, what is the relationship between creativity and imagination and movement? Uh, that was a good word, Brittany. One thing uh, to, to comment on the question um, is I think of the Sermon on the Mount when uh, Jesus stands up and um, basically puts forth this alternate world, uh, a world that's not legitimized through violence, a world that uh, the meek will inherit, a world that uh, the poor will flourish in. Uh, it's essentially a world that, that the powers of the day could not imagine. They didn't have the capacity to even dream of. Um, and Jesus in inviting us to this, to this new, this new world, this new revolution, um, starts a movement, uh, uh, a movement, um, that started, you know, a couple millennia ago, but, uh, yeah, it's just this alternate world that, um, just the Beatitudes are, uh, like the constitution of, and I think that the imagination that Jesus puts forth in that moment, um, is, uh, one beautiful, but also just radically different than the reigning powers. Um, and I think that as organizers or as, uh, pastors or people in different, uh, religious organizations to, um, invite people who follow you or listen to you or who you work with, uh, to imagine a world that, uh, the police are not the means of securing our safety. Um, but it's resources, it's love of the other, 
I think that's what uh, imagination and movement have to do with today. Um, and those who truly imagine, I think, are uh, oftentimes ostracized as either idealistic or just, uh, and then rent rendered obsolete because of it. Um, but even just in our own history in this nation, like abolitionists of slavery, they were such a small percentage of the population. Um, people who wanted the media abolition of slavery, which never came about, of course, but, uh, they, they made up less than 0.05% of the population. Uh, and I think to be on that front line of imagining a world that doesn't need violence, that doesn't need hate, that doesn't need to, uh, use borders to propagate powers. Um, that's the type of world that we should be looking for. And I think specifically, uh, historically and presently, black women have been on the vanguard of that movement. Uh, Ida B. Wells, Sojourner Truth, and even today, Angela Davis, like inviting us to a new world. I think listening to those voices uh, would do as well. Yeah, thank you, Neil. Thanks for that. Actually, um, I struggle a lot with this with this um, question, um, or like just overall, like being on you know living eighteen years of my life undocumented, then fighting you know to get some type of like status not status not just for myself but for like you know our community as a whole, um, and then just this past week, like, you know, trying to like imagine like the possibilities of like being able to, in, at least in Arizona, complete college, you know, and not think about like having to pay out of state tuition, not thinking about my status being taken away and, you know, having to be deported and away from my, you know, four year old and my 12 year old brother that I care for. I think for me, it's really hard for me to like, you know, when they say st it starts with you um, to imagine myself, you know, um, continue, you know, continue to have a second, a second child, because I don't know if I'm going to be in the U.S. Thinking about if I'm able to continue my education, because, again, I cannot even afford, you know, this tuition that we're given. Um, so it's just like a continuation of like imagining like the possibilities, you know, of a world where you know, we, we can live at and just be like human in, human beings where we're constantly being, you know, attacked for just wanting, you know, to just live and have a nice home, have, you know, a good education, have a place where like my child's not asking me like, Hey, like, did you every, you know, every week it would be like, Hey, are, are we staying here? Are you getting deported? Like we shouldn't have to think about that. So at least for me, I struggle with that question of trying to imagine it because I continue to imagine it. And then like, you know, it was in 2009 we're in, in 2020 and so much time passes and we're still having to deal with, you know, this bigotry, whatever it is. Um, so I think this is like a question that's really challenging, at least for myself. Um, and then for me to like ask other folks, you know, when, when I check in on a daily basis, it's really challenging, you know, overall without like having to just take a step back and say like, well, we did fought for that. And now this happened, you know, does that make sense? Yes. So, yes. Thank you for sharing that. So let me say a few things. First of all, um, I, I don't think that 
like the responsibility is on, on you or any like marginalized person to like for to start with you, right? Like I don't I don't think that is our responsibility, right? Um, secondly, I believe you deserve the world that you would be free in, right? Like I think that that's the world that you absolutely deserve, and that the forces of empire and oppression are um, standing in the way of that. But I believe that that's the world you deserve. And so I affirm your frustration with um, wanting to imagine. And I think that as a a marginalized person, you get to decide. Um, I don't feel like imagining because this is happening to me right now. This is my current reality. And it is not um, what I deserve. And so that, that is a completely valid place to be in. And the onus is on people who are not um, in those positions to have imagination. Most Black folks I know don't need imagination around the police because we keep us safe, right? Um, Most women don't need imagination around what it's like to live in a world where women are free because they know what it's like to keep other women safe, right? Men need to imagine what it means to not harm women. So, so I speak to that. I speak to imagination for people of color, marginalized people in particular, as a tool of dreaming. Like, what does it feel like? To, like, I, I think as a like a black woman, I often ask myself, like, what would it feel like if I were in a free world? As a tool of practicing resilience, but not to shift the onus or responsibility on me. I hope that makes sense. Um, but thank you so much for sharing. Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All the yes, all the yes. Um, something, and it's, it's, it's a topic into the question as well. Um, and yeah, Yolanda, I, so echoing what Brittany said, I absolutely like affirm everything you said um, and your, your feelings and your frustrations toward all of that. Um, it's a lot. Um, one of the things that isn't necessarily like creativity or imagination because it's reality, um, but for me, just recently doing like my research in it, um, really in like the last like year doing like a lot of like research in it and then just delving back into it again um, in this time period has been the topic of intersectionality and the importance of it um, and understanding it. Um, And intersectionality is not like a figment of our imagination, right? Like people have layers of oppression to them um, and experience different layers of injustice in their lives and in the world um, because of being a black woman, like who is like, just those two things alone. Like I can just like leave it at that and like that's something, right? Um, and so the importance of inter- and intersectionality and also just like the acknowledgement of it is not an imaginative thing. It's, a, it's like I said, like reality and things like that. But um, knowing about that is important to me as like we work towards like movement and things like that. Um, and I think that it should also be something that's important for others as we continue to work in this. Um, because understanding like people, like individuals, like layers of oppression or layers of like injustice that could come against like other people that stack up against them, that give somebody else like a leg up and like knocks a couple of people, like a couple of pegs down. That's important to me. Um, and I guess if we're just talking about personal things that really like fire up individuals or fire up like one another and things like that, that for me is like super, super important. Um, because I think before I even knew what the word was, that was something that I was cognizant of. Um, or before I even knew like what, what, yeah, like what intersectionality just like as like a whole was, um, that was something for me that's like always been like super, super important. It's like, it's not just that 
you know, like she's middle class. It's also the fact that like she's queer. Um, and it's also the fact that she's a she. And so like these things are important um, to me. And I think that I'm not like trying to like press that on anybody to like, you know, like learn today. Like I said, it's, it's about like your own personal journey. But I think that's something that is like important to me is like um, using the things that just like naturally like fire you um, before you even really like know like what it is, like asking yourself like those questions, like what do you notice like in the world um, that to you is like, huh, like that seems like that could actually be something that like would come against like how she would or how he would like progress like in this particular space or like in this conversation or like just whatever, um, whatever like that circumstance might be. Because like I said, again, like intersectionality in specific for me has been something that like I've noticed before I knew what it was. Um, and now is like something that is like a driving force um, that I, I constantly choose to engage in conversation and acknowledge like in like my conversation in my spaces to educate other people, but also to like be cognizant of like where I'm at and who I'm speaking to like myself so that I can also be an adversary and a person who seeks to like dismantle whatever uh, portion of like this intersectional, like intersectional like being um, might like hinder them from like whatever it is like that could like come against them like in this space. So to me, like I said, just in short is like, um, understanding the things that you are like naturally like, drawn to. I think that we all have like an inch of something that like, we're kind of like almost like pulled or see more clearly without even thinking about it um, going into that. And like, also just kind of like, not necessarily gearing our minds only like around that, like as a space of like, this is all that I'm like working on, but really like, as like, this is the lens in which like I see the world through is like through like this particular injustice. And now I like will like use like the creativity and like my imagination and the ways in which like I see this as like, not only like a mourning and grieving of like that injustice, but also as a way of like, how can I free these people? Or like, how can I like dismantle like this particular injustice? Because for me, I can't unsee it. Like, this is all I see. So now like, where will I be at? Like in like my next conversation where like, I will validate this person in this space or like, I will ask this person about like this particular injustice or like, I, like whatever that looks like for you. Um, it looks different for each body. Right. So, um, yeah, I think for me, like that's kind of how the two, I guess, like coexist or like are in like relation to one another is naturally how I see the world. Um, and like the injustices that happen in it. And then also like utilizing like the way that like I see that, um, or experience that, or I'm a part of that and like taking that to like the next level of like, well, how will I now do this and how will I also advocate? Yeah, that's so good, Brie. And like coming from, obviously for me, from a place of, of privilege as a, a white heterosexual man, it's, it's on me to put on those lenses, right? To evaluate my own lenses and see how I viewed the world or am viewing the world that is oppressing others. Um, and not validating their experience and their story. So I appreciate you being so bold and sharing that because it's, you know, it's, it's not, uh, I shouldn't feel the need to come to you, Brie, and say, hey, how am I seeing the world wrong? Because it's, it's, it's on me and it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be burdened, you know, to share that. And it's so bold and brave when you do. Um, but, you know, it's, it's uh, for people of privilege, it's on us to, to put that lens on and take off the lenses that are harming others. Um, I think about Neil, the, uh, the relation you made to Jesus and the Beatitudes and how he was forming a movement around kind of an ideal, like a new creation idea. 
Um, and I think for me, for a lot of people uh, who are in privilege, the natural tendency is to say, uh, okay, what is the easiest and quickest way to get this problem solved so that we can return to the way things were for me, right? Just so that I can be comfortable or that I can stop thinking about this. And it's such a, a paradigm shift to view it instead of how can I be imaginative and creative in a way that validates um, the stories of others and lifts them to an experience that maybe they've never had. And how can I be sacrificial in giving up my place of privilege in order to make that happen? Uh, and I mean, I don't have all the answers to that, but I think it's important for people in privilege to think through that and to see how have I in the past, you know, in this specific case in the stories of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others, how have I just tried to solve it as quickly as possible to return to not having to think about it or feeling like I don't have to think about it. Uh, and that's convicting. So that that's what both, both Bree and Neil, what you guys shared brought to mind. Thank y'all for sharing. I'm going to pass it to the nation now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually going to just go over um, the last subject. Um, and like Brittany said, we were going over um, the creativity and imagination and action. And I think that this is action is just kind of that piece that summed all of what we discussed today together. Um, and it puts it into perspective, okay, like what's the next step? And I just think in, in terms of like, when we're going to reflect right now is like using everything that from, you know, create our creativity and imagination perspective and things that we know about being compassionate. Like how do we really own everyone's specific gift or talent to create the best way to move forward and to really, um, move in with action and intentionality um like what does that look like and like how do we do that and i think like as we reflect our group is a, a really great example like uh, as many of us have said we all are different we come from different backgrounds we are in different works and we're in different movements but like how do we use all of that to really create a powerful piece of action and move forward and, and I think it's just a good time to like reflect on that. And even if we're just discussing about our own individual groups, like what does that look like? And like, how can we encourage others to also, or other organizations or movements to also mimic that same um, energy when they determine to move forward and to act and to start their movement. So I'm gonna give you guys a second to reflect and then if anybody wants to give their perspective then please jump in. I'll go first. Um, so I think for me, it's like, you know, going back to like the last comment that I made um, is that whatever struggles or, you know, challenges we're going through that we're in community. I think it's important to remember that and to know that, um, that at the end of the day, um, we have, you know, our community to, to um, fight for us. If that is, you know, a deportation if that is you know maybe they can't go out and protest but we need water my little one is in the background um Alexa went green. 
okay papa <laughs> sorry you guys um so that is like if, if you know you can't go to the protest but you need water um it's just knowing that you're at the end of the day you can count on your community to be there for for uh, not just myself but for like any member of my community i always think of like you know jesus and the disciples and just how different each of um, the disciples were and how their backgrounds were all, you know, from different places and how I think it's one of those things to where it's like, there's a specific um, like leadership or, or a movement that we as leaders, like we feel like we have to follow or that we have to like join in on and to um, bring each of our gifts, right. And to, also bring others into the space um and into the movement and i think like you know each of us we have that responsibility to um not only get ourselves involved and to to follow whatever that specific movement is of justice but to also just you know get other people and educate them and to teach them and to um, bring them into the spaces and to give them the space to understand like we're all different and to own those those differences and to um, you know support them and I think that you know we the creativity behind it all and the compassion behind it all um, and the education behind it all is it's all equally important like Yolanda said it's all what makes our community it all is what makes um the movement, the movement, like, you know, there can't just be one idea. It can't just be one um, type of way that each of us move. Like we all have to bring something else into having a successful action. Like I'm just thinking about all the action pieces too, that have currently been there. Like just from the black lives matter paintings on, on the, um, on the street on the sidewalks, um, just by the signs, some people are doing rallies, a lot of the social media and digital platforms, a lot of people donating. Um, I think it all just um, needs to happen in different ways. And I think like Bree and Megan were saying earlier, it's like people taking that time to internally reflect in themselves on like, what am I doing during this time? And then making those changes, putting that in is what like makes a successful action piece. It's like everybody, taking those reflective moments, putting those into the bigger picture and things change as a movement. And like, that's what make movement strong because it's not one individual like-minded ways, just like everyone wants the common goal, which is justice. And that goal is to get there is like different for everybody. But at the end of the day, like the support that we give each other and the support that the community gives um, to certain things like this, these actions, um, it's also equally important to to highlight and to recognize. Thank you <laughs> um, for joining us today. I think I really appreciate, well, I don't think, I know I really appreciate each and every one of you um, for being on the call. Thank you, Freedom Time Co. for just every piece of wisdom, reflection, advice, idea, um, that we input, I'll give you all time in the space, but I just wanted to, um, give us our Facebook freedom time collective. You can follow us on Facebook, 
or Instagram at Freedom Time Co. Our next session will be July 18, 2020. Let me know if I'm wrong. I, I believe this was the next date. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but this is our next meeting date. And then I'll pass it on to anyone else with any final words and prayer. Uh, looks straight. Bless you. Okay, I thought somebody else like unmuted themselves. I was like, I'll step out. Um, no, like I, I for one, am just like really, really grateful for um, these individuals who have been here from like the very beginning and the conversations that have been started um, through our collective. Um, when and this is kind of just like circling back, like when we first started at GCU, um, believe it or not, like the conversations of like actively pursuing justice were ones that were new to me um, as a black girl, which is not an uncommon story. Um, and, but like my oppressions and my experiences are real. And I thought that that was like enough, right? Um, and, and it is, and it, it is validated as well. Um, but for me, it was a great spot to not only feel validated in like my experiences, my oppressions, but it's also like a great spot for me to know that there are other people that are fighting alongside me that look like me as like strong, like black women, but also like as like white male allies um, and like white female allies and um, everything like in between um, and my Latinx like friends and things like that. Um, and so this group is really, really important. And so if you've taken the time to like watch this back later or have step into like the conversation and just be present and show your face and like give like your input. That's super, super important. Um, and to me, I like, am just like really, really encouraged by these meetings. Um, and so as like we continue and as we continue to like meet and things like that and go about the justice, like in our individuals, individual lives up until July 18th, when we meet again. Um, I hope that like we can continue to like, dwell on like the the topics and the conversation starters um as we like delve into them some more and also that we like bring friends um into these conversations um because there's not necessarily like some like set structure on like how all these things are supposed to go or like where it is supposed to kind of sit and like teach you or like you and teach like it's it's a collective it's a it's a grouping of um of thoughts and emotions but also like movement and moving forward um and that looks radical and that looks different and that looks like abstract um in some ways um and so thank you for being here um and we hope that you come back again um and that you just like bring other people with you because these conversations are important and for all you know um the people like in your lives that are also like fighting these things on instagram um are having a hard time like having like, these conversations like in person um and having like these conversations like with other people um and that might be you as well so um bring people, encourage people to come. This is a safe space. That is all. Thanks for being here. It really means a lot. Thanks everyone. Benediction, 10 out of 10. Yeah, all right y'all, I think that wraps it up. Um, yeah, thank you for coming. I hope you guys have a blessed Sunday. Um, if you have some extra time today, just try and reflect on some of these things. Um, and and get to work uh on it yourself um as i'm doing the same today i have a free day for once so i'm just gonna say a quick prayer and then we can all log off so um jesus thank you um for allowing us even in a, a season that is riddled with um oppression um via the state 
um, and just natural um, with COVID that you can allow us to, to come together um, and rabbi our like minds and, and, and fight these things um, um, that you've given us um, hearts of compassion and, and courage and boldness that we can come together and continue to um, work towards um, the world that, that you have reimagined with, with your creativity and imagination. Um, I thank you for um, black women, um, especially um, those in our collective here that um, provide so much strength and wisdom, um, and courage um, that, that we can um, celebrate every day. Um, and I pray that um, we create a society that, that um, honors these women um, and, and gives them the respect that they deserve, um, the compassion, um, and empathy um, towards their humanness. Um, and I just pray that, um, that we would all feel um, the love that you have for us, that, that we would continue to walk in this work. Um, and just thank you so much for, um, for your example. Um, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. <laughs>